0: Good morning. This is the third of three Sundays in which we're looking at prophecies that the Lord Jesus fulfilled in his first coming to earth. Two weeks ago, David presented prophecies that identify the Lord Jesus as God's own son, as his sent one. And we, uh, we noted that The 400 or so prophecies of the Lord Jesus are so precise and detailed that the possibility of anyone fulfilling even eight of them is realistically zero. And the gospel writers recorded that so many of uh, the Lord Jesus' actions uh, fulfilled what was spoken through the prophets. That would make a, a very interesting study is to go through Say the book of Matthew again, and um, look at all the instances where the the Lord Jesus did something, and then the then Matthew says to fulfill Old Testament, to f- fulfill what the prophets have spoken. Very, um, uh, uh, very instructive. And then last week, Don focused on those prophecies that um, related to the Lord Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And um, those who crucified the Lord were unknowingly fulfilling all that the prophets had written. They they were um, uh, unrehearsed actors in history, and they they by their actions were completing what uh, what was revealed in prophecy. This week, we want to look at one prophecy regarding the work of the Lord's servant in uh, the lives of Jews and Gentiles. And it's found in Isaiah chapter 49. Isaiah is, uh, is such an amazing prophet. Um, just going through this uh, preparation for, for this message, it, it struck me afresh. Isaiah had such a, um, an exalted Revelation, a view of of the Most High God, and um, uh, Isaiah was so jealous for his glory; it, it shines through powerfully in in his um, in his book. Another book that um, we should study and uh, just look at how Isaiah exalts the um, the Lord God. We'll look. This morning, Lord willing, at um, Isaiah 49, verses 5 and 6. And now the Lord says, Who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, so that Israel is gathered to him, for I shall be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. Indeed, he says, It is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. We'd like to look at this, explore this um, brief but powerful prophecy by answering four questions. What does the statement mean, salvation is of the Jews? Did, second question, did the Lord save only Jews before Jesus came to earth? Third, relating uh, directly to our prophecy, our text here, how is God's servant a light to the Gentiles, salvation to the ends of the earth? And then uh, finally, how should Gentiles respond? Who said, Salvation is of the Jews. Jesus said that. Okay? Someone besides Noah, to whom did he speak those words? A Gentile. A woman? at the well of Sychar. (laughs) Okay. Jesus spoke those words to a Gentile woman, to uh, to a Canaanite. And uh, he told her salvation is of the Jews. What does that mean? What does that mean? uh, Salvation is of the Jews. Well, understand uh, that Israel was a privileged nation that God had chosen his, uh, his people uh, as Israel. They enjoyed his closest attention, his, uh, his greatest affections. He gave them his most favored nation status. We read in, um, in uh, Deuteronomy 7, For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord, your God, has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you or choose you because you were more in number than other, any other people, for you were the least of all the peoples. He said, um, Israel, you're a holy people. That is, you're separate. You're, you're not like any of the other nations. You're mine. And uh, um, you're you're separate to me. He said, um, you're chosen. I chose you. You're a people for myself. A a special treasure to me. Zechariah recorded that um, he who touches Israel touches the apple of God's eye. You mess with Israel, you're messing with the Most High. The Lord gave Israel, Paul recalls in Romans 9, for he gave Israel the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the law, the service of God, that is the sacrifices and the promises. How big were the covenants that that God entered into with Israel. So interesting that we would um, have that as a theme for our worship meeting this morning. But um, there are five covenants that um, relate specifically to Israel, and we'd like to um, just touch on each one briefly. The first that we'll look at is a covenant with Abraham. What was God's covenant with Abraham? In uh, back in the very beginning, back in Genesis 12, God. Would bless Abraham personally. It's a three-part, uh, three-part covenant. He's going to bless Abraham personally. Um, it's so good. Let's um, let's go there. Genesis twelve. Genesis twelve um, and verse one. Uh, promise that God makes to Abraham. I'm going to bless you personally. And uh, not only so, but um, I'm going to make a great nation of your descendants. And then uh, also, uh, I'm going to bless all families of the earth through you. Wow. So Israel entered into the benefit of this covenant that that God made with Abraham. Uh, Second covenant, was that um, the covenant with Moses. We kind of touched on that briefly this morning too. In Exodus 20 through uh, chapter 31, we have God uh, entering into this uh, contract with Israel that if you obey me, you perform my law, I will bless you. And uh, Israel said, all that the Lord commands we will do. Okay, so they, they're on board. Uh, with a greater um, confidence in their uh, abilities than, than they should have. But uh, we think of them as the Ten Commandments. And actually there were 600 or more commandments that God gave in those, uh, in those chapters. It was a covenant that he made with, um, with the nation of Israel. A favored, favored nation. Israel had the law. You want to know God's heart? Go to Israel. They have the law. Um, a Palestinian covenant. Um, God promised at the end of Deuteronomy as the nation's about to enter the land. He said, uh, you're going to disobey. You're going to fail me. But um, uh, I'm going to disperse you, but uh, you will return to the land in safety and blessing and you'll never be scattered again. What a promise to make. I'm going to discipline you. I'm going to chasten you. I'm going to disperse you through the earth but I'm going to bring you back and, uh, and you're going to be safe. Uh, fourth covenant was to David in 2 Samuel 7. Your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. Forever your throne, David. And um, again, Israel entered into the joy of, of that covenant that uh, forever and ever there will be a, uh, a descendant of David on the throne. And then uh, fifth, uh, we, uh, we looked at it uh, in the New Testament this morning. It's a new covenant. And uh, to Israel, it uh, refers to the uh, millennial reign. God will save the nation of Israel during the millennium. It's on the basis of his son, the the shed blood of his son, the Lord Jesus. He's going to save the nation of Israel. So you see something of the favor, the special attention that Israel had um, through the covenants that God made with his chosen people. Another evidence of God's special favor was that Messiah would come from Israel. He would be of the tribe of Judah. In fact, um, Hebrews 7, 14 says, Our Lord arose from Judah. And uh, Micah 5, 2 says, um, Micah says, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, Whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. Isaiah 5 2. Messiah will be forever identified with the tribe of Judah. We read in uh, Revelation 5, John's, uh, John's revelation by the Lord in heaven. He sees. Uh, He sees that there's no one to open the scroll and he weeps and uh, an angel comforts him. He says, um, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. Messiah is forever identified with Israel, with, uh, with the tribe of Judah. As we, as we look at these scriptures, we're going to uh, realize that salvation is in a person. There are a lot of people with a lot of zany ideas today about um, uh, deserving heaven um, for our own actions, for our own sweetness of character. And sorry. Sorry. Uh, That's not salvation. Salvation is in a person. And we read in Isaiah 12. Behold God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For Yah that is Yahweh. The Lord that is Jehovah is my strength and song. He also has become my salvation. Isaiah 12 2. So. uh, Salvation is not in a system, it's not in a, um, uh, a work, but instead it's in a person, in the Lord Himself. Truly, salvation is of the Jews. Our second question to answer this morning, does that mean that the Lord saved only Jews in the Old Testament? To prevent confusion, we should um, emphasize that as God alone is Savior, there is only one Savior for both Jew and Gentile. There is no other God besides me, a just God and a Savior. There is none besides me. Look to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none other. Isaiah forty five, twenty one and 22. There is no other Savior. He alone saves Jew, saves Gentile. If you're not not coming to Jehovah, you're not going to be saved. At least six times in uh, chapters 44 and 45, Isaiah proclaims the uniqueness of Jehovah. There is none else. He alone is majestic. And um, Isaiah 42, 8 says, I am the Lord. That is my name and my my glory. I will not give to another. God is jealous for his glory and he's not going to share it. He's not going to give it. He's not going to allow anyone else to take the um, uh, take his majesty. This world is full of false religions. God, uh, gods who cannot save. And anyone who claims to save, besides Jehovah, is a pretender, an imposter, and a usurper of divine authority. The um, songwriter writes, such deep transgressions to forgive, such guilty sinners thus to spare. This is thy grand prerogative, that is your exclusive right, and in this honor none shall share. God alone is savior. And there is none. Doctors have their para uh, paramedics. um, Lawyers have their paralegalists. But the savior has no para savior. There is no associate redeemer. God alone saves. So we repeat our question, did the God of Israel save non-Jews or Gentiles in the Old Testament? Thankfully, Luke records for us that um, we have examples of those he did save, they're kind of preliminaries to a larger, a greater work. And in Luke four, um, beginning 25, the Lord Jesus is, uh, is rebuking the, the religious leaders. He says, I tell you truly, Many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heaven was shut up three years and six months and there was a great famine throughout all the land. But to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. Sidon uh, uh, was a hotbed of idolatry and uh, here um, Here God sent Elijah to Zarephath to the widow uh, who was in need. And um, many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elijah the prophet and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. Also obviously a Gentile. The widow of Zarephath was a woman of faith. General Naaman the commander of the Army of the Assyrians was um, of the Syrian army was a man of faith, however feeble that faith was. God saved Gentiles in the Old Testament, and somebody's going to say, "Well, there was a bigger uh, repentance than that in the in the town in the city of Nineveh," and uh, sure enough, we. Um, we think of Jonah as being an unwilling preacher and a bigoted Hebrew and uh, makes all the more astounding the repentance of Nineveh, the entire city uh, repented. Uh, in Jonah 3, 5 and 6, the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Then word came to the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe and covered himself with sackcloth, sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Wow, what a what a turning to the Lord by um, by a Gentile nation with some uh, pretty um, unlikely preaching. I mean, um, from uh, an unwilling uh, preacher. So the Lord does marvelously in. In the Old Testament. And uh, we're going to we're not going to pass this uh, opportunity to speak also of Abraham. Abraham? A Gentile? Well, uh, Romans 4. Paul asks, uh, we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. How then was it accounted? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. So um, Abraham uh, received the promises of God as a Gentile, the father of faith. And uh, so um, we see these all as preliminaries to a larger work. The Lord Jesus saved Gentiles during his um, earthly ministry. Think of the Roman centurion at Capernaum. He, uh, uh, he begged the Lord for mercy, for favor, and the Lord extended that mercy to him. Uh, the, um, the Syrophoenician woman with the demon-possessed daughter begged him as a, as a little dog um, to, uh, to enjoy crumbs from the master's table. Both the centurion and the Syrophoenician woman were people of faith, and uh, such faith that the Lord was amazed at, at them. Such an unlikely environment that they were raised in, and the Lord, um, the Lord saved them. The centurion probably had a background of polytheism, perhaps worshiping Caesar, and the woman was a Canaanite, uh, probably an idol from a background of idol worship, and they came to the Lord. God, someone has said, cannot resist a broken heart. And in fact, the Lord Jesus preached, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Poor in spirit means uh, my soul is bankrupt. I have nothing to offer you but my selfishness and pride. Blessed are those who mourn, for they should be comforted. I mourn over my personal, moral failure. God says, uh, Jesus says, they will be comforted. Those are the ones who uh, stir his heart. Those are the ones he responds to by grace. And Isaiah, again, um, says of the Lord, For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him who... um, with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. The Lord is on high. He is the lofty one, and yet he chooses to dwell with those of a broken heart, a humble spirit. The Lord finds faith and rewards those who diligently seek him. But, Let's look at our, our prophecy again in Isaiah. Isaiah 49, 6. And imagine that um, uh, as we read in verse 6, indeed he says, it is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. What if it was enough? What if it wasn't too small a thing? What if the Lord was satisfied to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel? What if the prophecy ended there? What would happen to the Gentiles, to those at the ends of the earth? Perhaps there wouldn't be so many faces in our meeting this morning because the Lord didn't Uh, didn't reach out to the Gentiles as he did the Jews. And perhaps people of a Jewish background would not be here either because Gentiles figured prominently in their gospel witness. After all, who are the Gentiles? Aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. God made a few important exceptions in the, in the Old Testament and during the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus. But what about you? Thank the Lord. The, uh, the prophecy didn't end there, but he said of his servant, I will give you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. Should give us a real appreciation for the, the Lord's infinite wisdom in, uh, in choosing Gentiles for salvation. How is God's servant a light to the Gentiles and salvation to the ends of the earth? We, um, we re- revisit the heart of God and recall verses like John 3.16 that God loves not just one nation, but he loves the world. He loves many nations. It was too small a thing that his servant should minister only to the tribes of Jacob, only to the preserved ones of Israel It's not that the nation of Israel was too small for God's servant. It was that the Redeemer of Israel was too capable, too worthy, too beloved to be savior only of Israel. The soul cleansing blood of Messiah is too expensive to be used on only one nation. His sacrificial death is too precious to neglect others who are in need. So the Lord gave his servant a light to the Gentiles. What does a light do? Well a light shines in the darkness. It reveals things. Shows us things that we can't see stumbling around um, in the dark. In particular this servant of God explained the meaning of the acts of God. There are there so many things that we don't know that um, that this servant has explained to us to help us understand the character of God. And he himself is the brightness of God's glory and the express image of his person. So when we see Jesus, we've seen the Father. He is the light. He exposes the hidden thoughts and motives of sinful hearts. Jesus has done that in the lives of Uh, us here, exposed our failures. And he declares the good news of salvation to those who sat in uh, great darkness. They've seen a great light in the Lord Jesus. So Isaiah wrote, he spoke these words uh, 700 years before the birth of Christ People waited 700 years for the advent, the coming of Messiah. One of these who waited was um, Simeon. We read about Simeon in Luke chapter 2. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 25, we read, And behold, There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Simeon waited all his years uh, for the consolation of Israel, that is, for the Messiah to come. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death until he had seen the Lord's Christ. I'd love to have a promise like that. You're not going to die until you've seen the Lord's Messiah. Wow. So he came by the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do uh, for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God. I can't help but think of Caleb. (laughs) Little Caleb. Caleb. I uh, see Jen walking in with him uh, and Luke with, uh, with her baby and it uh, reminds me now of the Lord Jesus and how he would have, the parents would have come into the temple and Simeon was there in the foyer waiting for them. Okay, He took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation which you've prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Simeon had seen a lot of self-righteous people building a system of acceptability before God on the basis of good works. All right. But he doesn't say that that was The salvation of the Lord. Simeon had seen animal after animal brought into the temple court and sacrificed for sin, perhaps even his own. And yet, Simeon didn't say that that was the salvation of the Lord. Simeon held this baby in his arms and he said, I've seen the salvation of the Lord. Salvation is in a person, in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. What an incredible way to meet God's prophesied Messiah. The key here is to attach yourself to Christ by faith, and He will take you where you want to go if you want to go to heaven. Attach yourself to Christ by faith. And he. um, Simeon must have been thinking of this prophecy in Isaiah. um, Because he says my eyes have seen your salvation. Which you prepared before the face of all peoples. Not just the Jews. A light to bring revelation to the Gentiles. Well, that's right out of Isaiah. That's right out of this prophecy and the glory of your people, Israel. Well, uh, we'd think that the, um, that the fulfillment of this prophecy would be um, smooth, that uh, it would be uh, without hindrance. And yet there were obstacles. As we've studied the book of Matthew, it's so sad and so apparent, so obvious that the Jewish leaders resisted Jesus. They rejected him. They denied him. They uh, they crucified him. And uh, Jesus warned them, he said, the kingdom of heaven will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. He warned them. He, he told them parables. He said um, you, uh, you're blind. You don't see uh, who I am. You don't see uh, God's salvation. They didn't heed his warning. And finally, he took the kingdom from them. He said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house has left you desolate, for I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They were not responsive. The Jews uh, were not responsive to the servant of the Lord. And so he took the kingdom from them Even the Lord's apostles resisted the thought of preaching to the Gentiles. After the Lord's death and burial and resurrection, he directed Peter to go into the house of a uh, Gentile centurion named Cornelius. And um, Cornelius um, went. Grudgingly to the house of Cornelius and uh, he explained his mission to Cornelius who had gathered his relatives and his friends in his house and uh, Peter said to Cornelius you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation it's not only unlawful but it's really undesirable I really don't like this job but God has shown me that I should not call any man uncommon. Uh, I'm sorry, common or unclean. So um, uh, Peter fulfilled his mission. He preached the gospel to these Gentiles. And the Holy Spirit came upon them as evidence that they believed the gospel and they came to the Lord just like the Jews. When uh, uh, he was astounded by these Gentiles coming to the Lord. And he, um, he was challenged by the Jew, uh, Jewish believers in Jerusalem uh, in Acts 11. And Peter told them, he said, God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Who was I that I should withstand God? And, and then the Jewish leaders, the Jewish believers, when they heard these things, they became silent and they glorified God saying, then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance unto life. The rest of the book of Acts is um, really dedicated to showing how the, um, the Gentiles responded to the gospel. They came to the Lord. The Gentiles had become a special people to the Lord. Peter writes in uh, 1 Peter 2. Verse 9, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. What does that sound like? (laughs) His own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who once were not a people, but are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Salvation has come to the Gentiles. How should Gentiles respond? God has given light and salvation through His servant. Paul and Barnabas preached at the synagogue in Antioch. This is kind of a picture of this whole transition from Israel to um, uh, to the Gentiles, and uh, he he preached to. Um, Uh, To the multitudes at the synagogue and they were filled with envy and they were contradicting and blaspheming and opposing the things that Paul said. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first, but since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. Now, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed, and the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region. Gentiles um, respond to the word of God in faith. Be glad and glorify the word of the Lord and believe on his. Um, uh, his provision through the Lord Jesus. And the word of the Lord was spread. We should spread the word of the Lord. Magnify it. Make it known to our neighbors. This is a Gentile response. The Lord had promised Abraham in you All the families of the earth shall be blessed. And we trace that that blessing through the Lord Jesus, um, through his apostles to the Gentiles. God has so abundantly fulfilled this promise that we read of a future day when the praise of Jesus is sung in heaven, you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. There's the ends of the earth. Think of the the uttermost end of the earth. Uh, Is it North Korea? Is it um, Iran? Is it Nepal? Um, Where's the end of the earth? Well, the gospel is going out to, uh, to the ends of the earth and the Lord is drawing to himself people out of every tribe, every nation, every tongue we should praise the Lord for His mercy, as um, Paul exhorted the, uh, the Romans. The Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy, as it is written, for this reason I will confess you to you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again, he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with His people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud Him, all you peoples. And again, Isaiah says, There shall be a root of Jesse and he who shall rise to reign over the Gentiles In him the Gentiles shall hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That would be a nice benediction for us uh, this morning but just have uh, one more note to share with you simply that in Christ, we have lost our distinctiveness as Jew and Gentile. There are Jews, there are Gentiles, but in His church, we have lost it. There is no more Jew and no more Gentile. Okay? Uh, we read in Colossians 3 there is neither Jew, uh, Greek, that is, uh, Gentile, nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free but Christ is all in all and if the Lord has dropped this distinction we should as well what is your response this morning to the light and salvation offered by God's servant Jesus let's pray Lord, I praise you this morning for light and salvation to Gentiles. I shudder to think of where we would be if you saved only, uh, only the Jewish people. I trust in any large group that there is a person who um, who's not yet trusted you. He or she sees the offer before him or her. The light shines and salvation is right there. I pray that um, you might this hour uh, show this person his or her need and uh, draw him or her to yourself. What a, what a delight, what a joy to have you as Savior. Uh, all wise, all gracious, all glorious God. In Jesus' name, amen.